all your school rugby all in one place. This is Next Gen 50. Hello and welcome to episode 10. We're into double figures now of the Next Gen 15 podcast with me, Angus Savage and Dan Richards. You can catch us on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can watch us on YouTube. And you can get in touch with us on pretty much every platform on at NextGen15. Uh, Dan, a massive, massive weekend. It feels like ages since we've sort of had a chat where there's been actual rugby because we've had that sort of two-week half-term, but what a weekend. I mean, back with a bang, wasn't it? I mean, we'll talk about some incredibly standout results. One that probably stands out more than others that we'll spend a decent amount of time talking about, but plenty of rugby to talk about. Plenty of stories as well. A bit of, you know, a bit of good news from 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 Academy's front and a bit of a sad individual story that I know you're going to shine a light on. But yeah, so nice to have rugby back. And always interesting when it's when it's in stormy conditions like that again, which will have played a part in why we got some incredible results but you know look in the books and it's uh yeah it was was a great day for school rugby. certainly was and you're right certainly certainly mixed things up in terms of the uh the results that we saw coming through but as you say we start on a slightly um well very dark note to be honest um which is the news that levi davis is missing um levi was a denston college pupil played england under 18s and 20s he was part of the tigers academy Ended up playing for Bath. He's now been playing for for Worthing College, and I guess known to a, a slightly different audience, um, having participated in in the X Factor alongside Ben Foden and Tom Evans. Um, he was last seen 29th of October at the Old Irish Pub in Barcelona. Um, there's a big appeal to just get any information um, to you know to people to the people that are worrying about him. And there's an email address that's been set up. So that is findlevidavis at gmail.com. And um, I'll put a link to that on all the uh, all the various outlets that we put this podcast out on. Um, if anyone has heard anything or knows of anything, please get in touch. Uh, there's a lot of people worrying about him and his family, first and foremost. Um, it's a really downbeat note to start on. Um, I guess there's, there's no point. No point us dwelling on it too much. We just got to hope that uh, hope that it's good news and, and not 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 the worst. Yeah, I think it's just reiterate you know, thoughts and prayers with his friends and family. And there's a huge amount of probably lots of people have seen on the social media. If anyone knows anything, please just come forward. Everyone just wants Levi to be found safe and well. Um, so yeah, I, a really sad story about an incredibly talented and, and kind young man so yeah hopefully found soon yeah wishing all the best to Levi and hoping he's okay um on the positive side in terms of news um RFU Midlands Academy there is uh, something has been put in place to to help help out all those kids that were sort of part of the development pathway at Worcester Warriors and and Wasps um it's basically going to mirror what's already been done in Yorkshire after after Leeds Carnegie's tethering to that academy was lost the RFU are going to kind of take control but a really positive step I mean we you and I have talked loads about you know the really one of the most important things is finding some way of being able to make sure that these young guys don't miss out on the opportunity to be seen and uh, and this should hopefully mean that that's uh, that's not going to happen yeah, and kind of, you know, our crystal ball, this was kind of our best guess, wasn't it, once both clubs collapsed, that something like this 
will get put together. What seems really good, said most importantly, I think they're still going to play as separate entities in the academies yeah, leagues. It's going to be Midlands, Midlands West yeah. and Midlands Central, isn't and, it? and I think they actually play each other first up. So it's um, that'd be spicy. Yeah, um, but so what's is obviously all these boys getting getting their shop window, um, which you know for those guys who yeah we talked about, do we give you know some schools get more coverage than other, and and the academies league is one way that other guys get that coverage. But also, you know, academy coach with jobs, you know, we've seen they have been staffed overwhelmingly with existing staff. That doesn't mean some people haven't tragically, you know, lost their income at a really tough time. But, you know, lots of people have been have been reinstated, if you want, in a way under this new guise. And and I know that, you know, PRL and the RFU are working for a whole new way forward around academies, not just in that region, but what, what the future will look like. So, so that'll be interesting. So, again... Nice to have a good news story. We had to start the event. Some really bad news around those two clubs uh, imploding. And it's been nice to see, you know, it seems as though actually, contrary, if you want to what I, I predicted, that, that more of the academy boys have, have found it easier to find a home than actually some of the top earners, mainly maybe because of salary cap and stuff like that. And that's horrible. But in terms of the part of the game we look at, it seems, or we focus on, it seems as though most of those kind of, 18 to 21 year olds on those have, have actually be it with Saracens, Harlequins. You know, I've not heard of people at Bath. There's people all over. You know, I know, given I think Ollie Hartley recently left Whitgift was in the Watts Academy has just linked up with Saracens, I believe. And there's lots of stories like that. So that's really good as well that people's careers haven't been lost. They're still getting that opportunity. So yeah, a, a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Which yeah. It's really good news. And it's kind of, you know, that stuff links into what, what one of our fears was when it was all falling apart, which was that, you know, the, I, to put a random age on it, a 24 to 34 year old premiership player, a year, nine months without playing is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. You'd rather be playing, but it's not, it's not absolute carnage. As a young player, a year without playing is a year of development just completely lost and you're suddenly getting overtaken by those younger. So it's so great to see those young guys who are already pros getting getting taken up by lots of clubs. But it's also yeah, amazing news to see that the RFU have stepped in. And you know, the I think the bit that a lot of people will maybe lose in this is that the RFU and Premiership Rugby are actually working together on this, as they do yeah. on all the Premiership Academies. You know, we give it with there's a lot of sort of RFU versus Premiership chat that you hear across things, partly because of the way things are as you go up the ladder. But actually on something like this, they're working they're working together. And I guess, yeah, we've got to be fair to people when they do when they do bang their heads together and start start working well, we've got to we've got to shout it out. But it's really awesome. And training starts next week. It's, yeah. it's so quick. It's awesome. Yeah, um, so barely any time lost for those boys, which is which is fantastic. Um yeah, great. And um, just to sort of finish up on that, just in case anyone's anyone needs any questions answered, in their press release, the RFU are very open about giving a contact um, email address. So just to give you that contact email address, Eliza Ullersperger, U-L-L-E-R-S-P-E-R-G-E-R, at RFU.com is the person's contact for any inquiry. So if you feel like you've been sort of missed out and, you know, that not just on a selection basis, but because it's just an admin error or whatever, get in touch with them. And they will sort it out. And I know everyone is very keen to make everything work. Um, the other bit of news, this actually came out last week, but um, we kind of ran out of time to talk about it. And I forgot to put it down in our notes. 
um, is that live broadcasts uh, to Sky New Zealand have been stopped in New Zealand of Schoolboy Rugby after school's headmasters stepped in. Um, yeah, Schoolboy Rugby, particularly in New Zealand and South Africa, is is a massive product, and I think that's probably the right word. It's a mm. product, um, and it's you know, it's broadcast on, on live TV. I mean, the equivalent of a Sky or BT Sports here in the UK, they're broadcasting those games, and they are being broadcast as professional rugby matches, in effect. Um, and I think schools have got a bit uncomfortable with that. You know, we've here in the UK, we've seen it occasionally that schools at least want reassurance on the way that a broadcast is going to be dealt with. And um, sometimes we get that wrong. Sometimes we get it right. Um, but I think what the fear is always is that you will get this. Um, what seems to have happened in New Zealand is this very professional critiquing of what's going on and actually putting pressure and detailed analysis by people who aren't connected to the players on those players and that i think it's a bit of guesswork but i think that probably is what the issue is in large part you'll know more than me just through having been a school coach and you'll be aware of some of those some of those fears that exist on this side of the pond as well um it's certainly a kind of live issue yeah, it is, and I guess the fact that I'm involved with this, now I'm not a next next gen employee, but yeah, kind of shows. I feel as though showing the game is is a positive thing. However, you know, and I know it's something we've talked about in private, so we can kind of impressy share our thoughts. You know, because I know it, it is complex. It's more complex than often a lot of players or parents think so overwhelmingly my experience and this one has been that and I think you we talk about this and you agree is that people want you know the players get excited about about live stream games uh the audience you know the the parents get excited about it community gets excited about it and actually we do know it can help with pathways and stuff like that anecdotally okay because it means the games are out there so it does you know we are you do create and you guys do a great job of not just showing you know, the top five schools that you do streams across the board and it does give a bit of a shop window to other people to to bolt. And there are examples of that. There is another side to it where I don't know, early days, I can remember there was a I mean I meant I remember talking with you and Richard around kind of comments on YouTube and it was like but then that that was quickly removed. Like that was really simple. Like and you, but then in a way you can't always hide from that. There are in a world of you know increased access you know I know following yeah there was an incident in the Sedba Wellington game last year then so when I was about that that led to a player from Sedba getting some abuse for want of a better word yeah. now that now that's not okay and that you know led me and Noxie to have some conversation involving me about well should we limit the information about the boys a, a bit because you know we're at schools will be as parents listeners will be aware very protective of information about their pupils um but understandably when you when there's a game but that's like well actually this is the you get a pupil's name their school you might get their academy affiliation all the and so actually they then become easy to track down if somebody wants to be horrible which is really tragic um on the behalf of the person who'd be not but i think overwhelmingly and i know i think the fact that you guys and that you know and this is i think it's important for people to know you know i'm i'm you know i'm 
we basically are associate. You know, we've got to know each other through schools rugby. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not on the next gen payroll. What, what makes next gen different to a Sky doing it is you're very focused on the schools game. You understand that you, you've worked really hard. You know, well, you came in understanding a good level, and you now you guys understand what schools are about. We talked in the fit, you know, that it's about development, it's about values, it's about you know the all the all round game. And, and that's what comes across overwhelmingly in, in the live streams I listen to. I don't hear comments like, oh, we should have taken that pass or, or that's like, that's naive or that's, you know, because I feel like Next Gen understand that these are young people, that they're kids, that they're learning. And that makes a world difference. I've not heard the, the commentary from New Zealand, but I, I agree with you. I suspect it was something like that. Um, that isn't what I hear from from the coverage from you guys, and if you know, that's why I, I love being associated with you in this way. So I don't think we're in that place, and I think the fact you guys do it probably highlights the great job that you're doing and continues to do. And, and it's sad, and you know, hopefully that schools rugby New Zealand can find a a different outlet that is more appropriate that doesn't put the because we don't want to put the the players under pressure. And I don't think what we've got in the UK currently does that i think it shines a spotlight on a great element again sorry long, yeah, no, long. Well, i think i mean you a lot of very kind stuff in there but i actually think the the kind of the salient point in the whole thing is that often media is in the wider world media strives for independence and um and therefore the ability to be to critique without judgment in effect the reality is when you're covering school sport, yes, you're independent, but it needs to be a collaborative form of independence. You need to work with people to make sure that the message you're putting across is the message that actually helps protect people as much as it does highlight what they're doing. You're not always going to get that right in the same way that no school gets every decision they make right. But if you work with them, um, you've got a far better chance. And at the end of the day, if you can do that properly, you give the lads a great opportunity to just have another another thing that they enjoy, another aspect to make it real positive for them. So hopefully um, things improve down in New Zealand and they find something that works works appropriately for them. And hopefully no one sort of panics too much across the rest of the world. Um, yeah. There is also a little rumour in the background that it might be that they're just haggling for a better broadcast deal. So this could all be a moot point. Yeah, and it's, I think the key word is collaboration. Having been on, it always felt when I that, that we're working together to highlight the game, as opposed to next gen trying to sell the schoolboy game, and that was, and and that was really key. I think that's a really key point you said there that it that it, it felt like a partnership, and uh, and that's important. I think you know, as you continue you know to work hard to sh- again to put a spot on all elements of the game. We've talked a lot about the state school game in the last few weeks. I know you guys are doing more and more to kind of get streams available to those guys and stuff like that. So, no, I think I think it's a very different kettle of fish. Yeah, and I would urge people not to get if if Ted must not to get spooked by it if if they are being. But yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, other big news. Well, I suppose it's not news as much as fact. Um, we're moving into schools cup what I always call regional final week, technically last 15, last 16, but I, you know, I like to give things a bit of a buzz. Um, yeah. Regional final week, um, seven out of the eight games being played this week and then next week, 
uh, Finborough against Bedford, which we'll probably cover in more detail next week's pod because I'm just that's such an exciting game for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, but we we start actually today Seaford College against Marlborough College Southwest A. I reckon that's going to be a really really tight game. Um, Wednesday we've got what we've got six games: Cardinal Newman versus the Judd, which is that catch-up game because they were cancelled and they're not cancelled. Uh, winner of that has an almighty challenge of taking on Trinity. Uh, Kings Macclesfield against Stockport Grammar in North B. Uh, Woodhouse Grove, RGS Newcastle North A, South West B, Sir Thomas Richards against Blundells. I think for many people, the tie of the round, Hampton against Harrow, London and South East B, two of the best teams in the country at the moment, going head to head in the cup. I mean, <laughs> winner of that's got a fair chance of going the whole way, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, amazing stuff. And just, you know, just to do a bit of another state school bang the road, great to hear. I think there was at least three. I think it was in the Sakari Newman. Judd and and Tommy's in there, so three three state schools. You know, get into that level, you know, it, it's fantastic. I, I agree. I think at this stage, probably that Hampton Harrow is the 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 tie of the round. You know, you probably just about I think still have Trinity as favourites to to retain yeah, it to, to kind of you know if we're talking about you know to kind of to, to do a, a another South London school to do a back to back and that you know with that, which would be well, there is a thing though isn't there you know you see it happen I'm trying to think I mean this is off the top of my head now but you've got Whitgift 2010-2011 back to back Dulwich 12-13-14 three in a row Warwick no sorry Bromsgrove 15-16 Warwick 17-18 Whitgift 19 and probably would have been 20 yeah and yeah, then probably. Trinity 21 probably favourites for 22. There's something about going back-to-back in that competition that it, I don't know if it's just having having a few players that have done it before, it just calms the nerves a little, or if it's just that, you know, this is school rugby and if you've got a strong group, you've got a strong group and they tend to stick together for two years and sit form. Yeah, I think it's a bit of that. Like, you tend to get, you know, clutches of players. Sometimes in a local area, you know, you'll get, you know, a bit of talent attracts talent. So some guys might move, it kind of thought, so all of a sudden... You know, you might find that, you know, have Trinity at the moment got the sort of group that Wickiff might have expected to have had if it was, if we were talking about 2015, because people knew and so they kind of migrated towards there, mm-hmm. which is, you could say the same about Dulwich, you know, Dulwich, you know, during that period of time. Um, I think you're right, though, that it becomes a, you get over the hump of kind of, you know, people talk about it more in the professional game, don't they, about, you know, or you've got to get to these visits, but you, you kind of need to almost fail. I think if you looked at the journeys of a lot of those schools, yeah, you'd, you'd see a lost semi-final or something like that in the kind of couple, of, you know, in the year or two. I remember that was particularly strong when Warwick won a couple in a row, and yeah, fifteens and eighteens they'd hit semi-final after semi-final or close quarter-final after close quarter-final, and then eventually they're just an explosion of it all happening at, at both. Yeah, hundred percent. So you kind of learn. I think you get used to prepping for a big game the nerves around it the fact you know that particularly you know people like us will talk about it and what that brings and stuff like that so they so it normalizes it a bit doesn't it yeah it's, and i think yeah, yeah it's just which is right. a shame in a way because it makes it slightly less special when you're playing <laughs> in that semi-final but it probably normalizes the feeling so you go yes we're yeah whoever you might be we're warwick we play in semi-finals that's what happens yeah uh, and it's it's an instrument as a coach because you, you, you want to do that and obviously everyone you know from it will be just another week, just another game. 
it isn't just another week, just another game. And you know, again, so it's and it's interesting. You know, I've always worked with different people, and they're different. I think it's: do you own the fact it's different? Do you own the fact that it's cup and it's knockout and there's a bit more around it, or do you just try and use your process and go through it that way? Is I imagine it's quite a tricky one to work out that because probably the right answer is for achieving the result that everyone wants to achieve is you've got to treat it like another game. But actually, if you do achieve what you want to achieve, you want to have made it out to be as special as possible in the build-up. So it's yeah. like, where, where, yeah. where do you get to? It must be tricky. And, and I don't think there's a right answer. And I, you know, If you sat, you know, guys who are currently coaching and myself, you know, if you say you had, you know, even say me and Carl, who obviously worked together on, on that Wellington side for a few years, I'm probably, I'm, pretty emotional in, and I would I'd probably be telling right let's play on like the emotion of the occasion we can use that we can energise ourselves more because actually boys are tired there's course with deadlines there's all sorts going on at this time of year and and I don't, I don't want to put words but Carl might lean towards nah it's just a game of rugby we focus on our skill acquisition we focus on on kind of doing what we need to do and that's the way you get through it and and there isn't the right answer it'd be interesting you know what does you know what what is being said you know, what are the, again, if we say that Hampton Harrow, you know, we're saying we think that's the most exciting times around them, but what are the, all of those schools, what are respective coaches saying? And almost more importantly, how are the boys seeing it? You know, because you can say something as a coach and say it's just another week or we're going to really get, but what actually happens from that leadership group down to the playing group is what matters. So that's the interesting one. And yeah, we, you know, how those groups are approaching it, you know, we I talk a lot about you know, games aren't won on Saturdays or Wednesdays. They're won in the kind of four or five days before it. You know, and what you know, we're recording now on on a on a Tuesday. You know, what what's happened yesterday and today within those schools, and actually what they did on Sunday in recovering. Yeah, yeah well, from final whistle on Saturday with what, you know, what's well, what's the feeling in the camp post final whistle? Yeah, on Saturday? will have a huge impact on what happens in those games tomorrow. So, and obviously, some schools didn't play. You know, I think Hampton and Harrow have had a long build up. Does that help you? Does that hinder you? Have you ever thought about it? Like, there's all sorts of things going on there from a from a that present different. You know, are you better to just play and bounce into the game? Some teams, I think, Fimbra rested some boys. Like, do you? Do you yeah. rest boys and keep bodies fresh and actually risk losing a bit of momentum as we saw, you know, arguably they've lost, you know, because they lost aggressions, you know, and it's that, oh, have they lost momentum in their season now? You know, I know Wilco would always be, you just play, you keep playing and you keep your team going, you know, as a, as a, as a coach of a team that's had huge success um, in cup formats. Yeah. Again, there isn't a right way to manage this. Um, it's just interesting, you know, and what's happening at schools will be coming at this from such different ways. And and, th- and that's a really cool part of the challenge, actually, for me. Yeah, it's an interesting one, you know, and, and Fimbra, I think, you know, they've been in touch with so, uh, one of their lads, to be fair, has been in touch with <laughs> coaches aren't that precious, but one of the lads are. But they have been in touch and say, oh, you know, it was a, it was a second team that went, that went up there and, and, and it would have been, but you're right there. Because the ones aren't playing and the twos go up and they maybe have the result that that just in training they're going to be training together and then maybe there's that feeling and or maybe everyone's going up brilliant we're all rested so it's all gone you never know quite how it's yeah. going to be and um, the one game I've not referred to yet is because I wanted to trail a bit of live streaming for it which is Oakham against Stowe which we are live streaming tomorrow afternoon 
part of a bit of a bumper session of live streamings. We had Monday night, last night, RGS Worcester against Kings Worcester in the Modus Cup, an absolute great game. altar of a game in the rain. Um, and Friday night, we've got uh, Merchant Taylors in Northwood hosting Red and Blue Coat as the end of the, the rugby week each year, where um, they get loads of excitement going through age groups all the way through, and they invite loads of guests, sort of prep school teams and stuff. Um, and then it finishes off with that live stream on the Friday night. But Wednesday, 2.30 kickoff, Oakham against Stowe. And I'll tell you what, from we've focused in on that sort of London area because there are a lot of, well, there are certainly three potential title contenders. And I'd argue in the Judd, a team that could start yep. when they play just because that would be eight. Yeah, they've, yeah. they've been so good against everyone so far. Um, but I'd say outside of that, you know, the, yeah, you just Seaford College or, or Marlborough could, could go well. Kings Macclesfield having a nice season. Same with Tommies and Blundells, Woodhouse Grove, RGS. But I think Oakham and Stowe are two sides. Oakham have been there and done it before in the past, albeit a long time ago. Um, Stowe won the plate last year. These two, we, I've been doing my research for this game, and these two met in the semi finals of the Cup as under 15s. Stowe won that game. They met last year in the um, Vars final at Rossin Park Sevens. Stowe just won that one. So there's there's a lot of history for these two groups of players coming together for this one. And I genuinely think whichever one of them emerges from it has got a fair shot at, at going very, very deep. Um, yeah. But the two sides that are playing some serious rugby. I mean, they're, yeah, they're Man, pro- proper game of schoolboy rugby there. And I think probably, like, yeah, outside of that London southeast region and it isn't just because we're both living down here you know it, it has been the area that's dominated the yeah. cup you know again take Edinburgh Milford out of the equation like a lot of other dominant and obviously they don't play in the cup yeah. so the London southeast region has dominated the cup o- overall yeah. but the Midlands would be the next you know through Warwick and Bromsgrove primarily yeah. recently so now and now we've got actually we seem to have that they've been slightly knocked off obviously Stowe you know, you can still a bit London South East Buckinghamshire, you know, is it really? But they, yeah, towards the, towards right. the top of that. Saints, Saints Academy region, so. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. And I guess you go, again, again and I wouldn't claim to know loads about either of these teams, so I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but to, you know, to Stowe maybe going with the star power with, you know, Pollock and McPartland and, mm. and, and then maybe Oakham, you know, a bit more of a kind of, back to those old kind of really kind of cohesive Oakham dates. Having said that, obviously Oakham have had massive star power. I think they had someone playing for, for Wales, Scotland and England. At, yeah, they uh, had Hamish at, Watson at, at seven for Scotland. They had Jack Van Portfleet coming off the bench for England at nine and they had Sam Costello coming off the bench for Wales at ten. That, that's not bad. Yeah. That's, a, that's so, a, cool, a cool weekend for a school with that. Yeah, we're not setting. I think I think I've only seen kind of Millfield achieve stuff like that before on a kind of Six Nations or Autumn Nations weekend. So that's that's. So we're not saying Oakham, you know, don't produce superstars of the game, but it's you know maybe at the moment, does Stowe have to stand out? And you will know more about this having recently. You know, they maybe have what you might expect to be your standout, you know, air quoted standout individuals, and and what Oakham will, will bring. I mean, f- fascinating game, and I think you're you're right. They will fancy going. Everyone's talking about Harrow, everyone's talking about Hampton, everyone's talking about Trinity. You know, we're we're pumping up Judd's tires a little bit. We want to see them play in a in a big game again against so yeah, but like they're kind of you know, yes, they we've given a bit of pressure, probably a little bit, you know, not talked about as much as some other schools. So yeah, really exciting game rugby that. Yeah, really looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be awesome. I mean the 
the games that I've you know I've dug fairly deep on the like what they've done in different age groups. It's a bit of a shame because we obviously we lost that year to COVID, which kind of takes out quite a lot. But the games have been really tight between them, and I know that neither school has really changed personnel that much through the years. So I'm hoping it's just going to be an absolute belter. You know, Stowe have that advantage in terms of those past results, probably a little bit more hyped. Oakham at home, though, they've been there, done it in the cup. And I know it's a long, long time ago, but kind of what we were talking about, that sort of historical centre in the school, it's going to be really yeah, cool. And, yeah, and I'm thinking myself, so Ian Simpson, who's been there a long time, thought, you know, whilst the boys won't have the memory, there's institutional memory. There through, you know, Ian Simpson, a director, you know, a great director of sport. I think maybe might have been a director of before. I'll get done to talk out turn and kind of he's been at Oakenwild, been at knows the place inside out and backwards. Um, done a superb job for a long time. So, and kind of actually a, a really innovative thinker around the schools game. So, uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. That I think he will know how to help the the rugby coaching staff kind of prepare for for these bigger days if there are you know coaching staff who, who've not been involved in the because coaches have to get ready for it sometimes it's it's yeah, a whole different so, well, obviously you've, you've probably got parents that are you know getting on getting on to you. i'm sure there's all sorts um yeah. but that's looking looking ahead at the next few days but let's go let's look back at the weekend that yeah. was and get our, <laughs> our top five school teams of the weekend because what weekend i mean just so many tight games, which we love. I mean, a, a bit of a byproduct of the weather that in, in many ways. Yeah. Um, but still just amazing to see and some some real surprise results. Um, some other signs of some really top teams against other good opposition still managing to just keep that momentum going. I'm thinking of a Clifton taking on Sherbin. In what yeah. I'm pretty sure, well, I wasn't too far away from there. I was at Bryanston at the same time and it was hammering down. So I'm pretty sure two counties over, it probably wasn't too different. And yet yeah. just maintaining that is very impressive. But then you've got these other games and I guess one team that is going to be an absolute nailed on in our top five has got to be Denston College going oh, up to Sedbert. And well, for anyone that's not seen it, they went up to Sedbert unbeaten, unbeaten Sedbert and Denston take the win 17-14 in what were apparently atrocious conditions, although it has to be said, that's not unusual in Sedbert. They, they know a thing or two about playing in the rain, but Denston College turning up with their brand of outstanding, physical, difficult to play against rugby and securing an absolutely outstanding 17-14 victory up in Cumbria. How good is that? Uh, I mean, just incredible. I think it's hard to... In, within you know our little bubble of, of schoolboy rugby, it's kind of hard to quantify for within the English schools rugby scene how big a deal it is for a a school to go away to Busk and and win. So I think you know we talked a bit at the start. We stopped talking. You know, winning away is more like and winning away at Sedbur. And you know I think we've looked at. I think we're right. Did we find twenty sixteen was the last time? Twenty third of November twenty sixteen. Yeah. Yeah, is hang on, is it? And it was is the last time a school not called Millfield, um, beat beat Sedbur, uh, and that was Kirk, that was Kirk and Grammar. So that's how lots of so you know, hang on, six years ago, like it's and that's yeah, that's a whole group going through a school. That's a whole kind of generation. 
So just incredible. I'm sure the Rome play the fact that we talked in the build about that game. I think, you know, I know you've spoken to the coaches and about, I think you were right, actually, and that you know, kind of Denston came with heavy line speed, shut the skill, you know, put those skills under pressure. The weather also putting the skills under pressure and, you know, got on top in an arm wrestle. But just incredible, like, you know, to, to Rupert, the director of rugby there, and, and to everybody involved in that Denston victory, like the players and parents, that is that is a day they will never forget. And and just absolute hats off. You know, hats off for taking on the challenge. You oh, know, lots of, lo- lots of teams. Yeah, lots of schools, you know, speak to seven. You know, they, they struggle to get teams to go there, to get competition because people are too worried about results. Um, you know, they've gone, no, nah, we'll take that on. And actually, you know, we did see in Denston a team that was really unlucky not to make a St. Joe's final. And, you know, we're superb at St. Joe's. And so maybe we, maybe we underestimated them going into the game, but just incredible. And just so great for that group. You know, it doesn't matter almost what that Denston team do for the rest of the year, through the rest of 15s into sevens. That is a day you can never take that away from that group. And, you know, they'll be getting together post-uni when they're working at dinner parties, talking about that day. And, and kind of that's what schoolboy rugby is about. It's about memories. You know, I, I call with some friends at, at, at the weekend and they're friends from school from playing rugby together. And the first thing we talk, you know, we're, we're telling stupid stories about games. And it's, and that's what, you know, this is, this is a memory. And, the, you know, this is a memory for, for those boys. And it's, it's incredible. So, yeah, I think, you know, we don't rank these top five, but I think I'm kind of out, for me, I'd be happy to say this week kind of Denston would be my team of the week. Like in uh, terms of it's, that's just it's incredible. It's an incredible achievement. And do you know what? While while we're kind of on it, hats off to Sebra as well, who've been the yeah. most magnanimous um about this. So I've seen I can't actually remember who it was or or where I saw it, but it was it was very much official. Um from Sedbury just going, hats off, well played, did us fair and square. And I really like that. You know, I mean, there's yeah. a there's a little bit of, you know, you, no one apart from Milkfield's beating you in six years, I suppose it's easy to be magnanimous. But on the other hand, it's very easy not to be as well. Um, yeah. So hats off to Sedbury and but Denston. Yeah, and they, yeah, and they managed that bit really well. Like, through, again, having been involved in kind of block fixtures against them, kind of regard, you know, if, if you do, like, they... And they know that their boys, their players will learn a lot through, you know, you don't, you know, that, that you learn a lot through through losing, you know, it's that kind of Eddie Jones cliche, you know, you either, you either win or you learn. And it's that kind of, yeah. and I, I have, actually, I've been, up for, I've been up there a couple of times for various dinners and every time the, uh, the headmaster is, has Dan Harrison, the former first team coach before Simon Mulholland has done yeah. a speech at the start of dinner and every time his speech has said that he's a great believer in losing and what um, what can be learned from it. So I have absolutely yeah. no doubt that's what will be um, what will be being discussed there. But let's look oh, at some, yeah, of the, some of the others because there are there are some extraordinary performances and results all around the country this weekend. Um, another that I want to shout out, Eastbourne College, 2019 against Brighton College. The, some debate as to... to what sort of a side Brian College put out, but you know what? It, it really doesn't matter. What matters is that 
this group of Eastbourne College players who, who who've actually been having a really cracking season, particularly in the I think it's the, the Vars they're in. I've been tracking them a lot. Yeah. Some really getting some really good uh, some really good performances and results out there. And much like Denson going to said, but Eastbourne College hosting Brighton College and getting a victory that's going to be massive for those guys. That's huge. Um, really impressive. Yeah, hundred percent. And kind of I don't want to be kind of horrible but you, you know we just praised said but how they managed that and I should clarify but yeah you can also learn in victory as well as losing but it's that how said but managed that defeat and I've seen a bit of kind of oh what side was it on social media no one's got everybody fit this time of year all right that was a fir- that was first 15 versus first 15 that's a derby game and Eastbourne College for the first time in a, in a long while have come out on top um, and they deserve you know Ollie Torrey as you know having with RGS Guildford and now, now we're in the rugby Eastbourne College. He's a fantastic coach, does a great job, kind of pretty quietly at a, at a programme that just sort of works really hard for its players and, and everybody involved in that one again. You know, they will have had, you know, get, that, that's, that's been another day to remember um, for them and, and, they do, and nothing should be taken away from that. Like yeah. Eastbourne College just deserved the credit, and, and they deserve their place in our top five. Um, so that's that's two locks. Denson yeah. College and Eastbourne College. Yeah, like we're going in alphabetical order or something. Um, <laughs> another one that I think we're both agreed on is yeah. Skinners. Um, yeah, hosting St John's Leatherhead. They won this fixture last year, so perhaps not surprising that they've done it. But I think every time. A state school beats the independent school. It is at least worthy of consideration for the top five, just because of the you know the things that we see that all blow up on social media when everyone's talking about discrepancies, blah blah blah. Actually, because of those reasons, that's why it is so impressive when these sort of results happen. And fair play, Skinner's twelve three. For me, that's an outstanding outcome. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it was a good. It's, it's it's a great it's a great result. You know, St John's in a bit of a you know maybe transitionary year. You know, new head of rugby, kind of getting used to it. Probably trying to you know, and Liam trying to establish his own culture and get stuff right. But that yeah, take nothing away. And again, there was some great. I think you know, John. They probably won't make our top five here, but yeah, but John Fisher's draw draw with Dulwich. You know, again, also really, and then worthy of, of mention because again and that Fisher side that I believe has got a huge amount of talent kind of starting maybe you know, we talked about half term maybe being a chance to reset um and and hopefully you know they can take some momentum out of that but no Skinner's deserve their place. I think this is where we well I think we I think we probably both agree this kind of on the kind of four or five four maybe teams Kind of in the mix here. So I guess there's a few in the mix. So, so I'll just Guildford, I guess, winning another. So another derby. We talked about it. Builds it up and kind of, you know, a great win um, over Cranley. Um, the Modus Cup win. You know, that's that's such a big game, bragging rights. So and maybe we, you, know, you can almost have a kind of derby focus there, can you? If we say that kind of four of the five are derbies. So I'll just Worcester coming out on top um, again against Kings. Um, I think. The ones that then worth talking about as mm. well for me would be George Watson's beating Murky uh, yeah. up in Scotland. That isn't, uh, you know, Murky are kind of the Sedborough of Scotland, you know, for those. Yeah, exactly. Are... I think if you, 
whether they're on a good year or a bad year, you kind of measure yourself against them. And it also, yeah. bad year is a pretty relative term. Um, but, you know, they, yeah. they're, they're always the standard that you set yourself against, I would say. And Watson, Watson's doing that, especially after what looked like a tricky, um, a tricky outing in half term at the, at the Murky Festival. Yeah. So then immediately bounce back. I know they had a few a few injuries and stuff, and that was kind of what what hurt them a little bit of that. But to bounce back straight away, first game up against your sort of biggest, oldest rival, and uh, yeah, get the job done. I'll, I'll, I've yeah. got a lot of respect for that. Yeah. So that does it. And I think the other one, for, I think. Well, I know you're probably the the kind of the you know Emmanuel getting their draw um, against a Reeds team that you know we've talked about a Reeds team going well, and Emmanuel fighting really hard there to get that draw but I guess the standout for me we've talked a little bit about you know you should you don't or shouldn't have to win to be in our top five and 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 Radley College we've said keeps praise on them for you know taking on Kirkham Grammar and you yeah. know, lost that game but lost 22-13 now we don't know when there but again rain may have impacted you know in terms of rain helps in conditions but you know we still as you said Clifton who I actually am starting to think might be the best team in the country now. This yeah, year. it's looking that way. Um, yeah. Um, you know, still managed to get a pretty convincing victory against what is a decent Sherbourne side. So, you know, Radley more than holding their own against Kirk and Grammar. Um, it's not a kind of shock the world day, but it's a kind of, for me, that's kind of right. Radley are, are there and should be. And you'd hope now to see Radley kind of wanting to take on. Like it'd be lovely to see. I know, like they then play a block against you know, Wellington, who are close, and then take on more scores like this in the future. Um, but, so it's yeah, a that... it's a result, isn't it? Where you would, if you were their coach, you'd be chatting to the boys afterwards and going, "Don't don't go home tonight downbeat about that. That's yeah. that's a top effort against one of the top five six teams in the country." Yeah, that yeah. Weird. No, no, you know, I know we all probably gave you a shot, a shot in training saying you'll probably be able to win this, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, no one was expecting you to, and you've come out and you've given it a hell of a go. And oh. that's all that's all anyone can ask of you. And that I would imagine that'd be the message going to them is that's a that's a serious shift, lads. Yeah, no, look, and they would have got that. And it's you know, and it was I kind of missed these when I was away. Yeah, they're kind of the easiest team talks in the world. Uh, when no one expects you to win, they're, they're great. Yeah. Um, and I'm you know. We're, again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to my time at Catering, but we got to do that. We got to be underdogs yeah. a lot. Um, we didn't get that a lot at Wellington because um, people expect, rightly, with the resources you've got, you know, people rightly expect a lot of Wellington and Millfield and Sedbur and all that. Again, and that's why, you know, when Denson have gone to Buscombe, we're heaping praise on them. Um, I also, you know, I, know, I think Sedbur will come firing out this weekend and I, I wouldn't fancy being Warwick uh, preparing it's for that. Warwick are going to have to be on it. But <laughs> I know, but again, Tom, Tom's a great coach at Warwick and I know he'll be doing everything to prepare and he'll be trying to learn from what Denton have done. So, you know, they're, they're far from, from and they will, and they want to, they might spy an opportunity as well. But it's, I would, it's almost like, yeah, we talked about it, you know, that kind of, when a big team loses that next week, you know, training's probably got an extra bite to it. Not of anything that coaches will need to do, just, just pride the boys. The boys just the lads. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Right, here, here's what we're going to do on this top five. Where do you go? I've Sorry, I've drifted off. Well, no, we, right. Because we, there's, four, there's four there that I think all, 
all are worthy of one. So what we're going to do, yeah, you you get one, I get one. That's, okay, that's what we're going to do. You can go first. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you know? Oh, so I'm I'm kind of torn between. I'm going to go in my heart. I got, there's a little bit uh, huge respect for the George Watson's win, um, and there's a little bit of, like I'm trying to think of not that, that it's a win, but I want. I think Radley for me, just in terms yeah. of that, they took that fixture on. They've done really well. Let's you know, l- let's give them the praise that they deserve for that. So 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 sorry, sorry, George Watsons, uh, who proved it. But it's uh, yeah. You never know. Oh, I, might pick, might I, might I might pick them. I might pick them. You never know. No, sorry, lads. I'm not. Uh, you. That was outstanding. But I'm. I'm going to go with. I'm not going to go with RGS Worcester, despite the fact that I was there and it was an incredible performance. It was a game that could have gone either way. And it, it, that is a uniquely pressurised schoolboy mm. situation. And for both sides to actually just perform at a, a pretty a pretty good level and compete so hard against each other is is really impressive. But I don't actually think that they need me heaping praise on them to help them feel pretty good about that. I think they feel plenty good enough as it is. So I'm going to go with RGS Guildford. Probably expected them, actually, to, to edge it against Cranley. But that's kind of why I'm putting them in, because I don't think RGS Guildford, certainly not in the last five, six, seven years, will have played against a side of the sort of historical schoolboy level of a Cranley and gone to it with outsiders expecting them to win. Mm. So there's that's a very different way to be turning up to these games and they've come through it. And that's now Epsom college and Cranley, neither of whom are having their best seasons, admittedly, but they are huge, huge sort of scalps for, for RGS Guildford to have for what that'll do, not just for that group of players, but for the groups of players below them in the years coming through, who will be going, that's doable. And yeah. that's, that's a massive thing. So I'm going to go with them, which leaves us with Denston College, Eastbourne College, Skinners, Radley College, and RGS Guildford as our top five school teams of the week. George Watson's College and RGS Worcester with some pretty massive honourable mentions, along with plenty of other teams. I mean, there are some serious results, some serious performances right across the board. Two yeah. really high-scoring draws, Dulwich against John Fisher and Reeds against Emmanuel. Really cool to see. But that is our top five. I'm just going to rattle through what's coming up. Um, we're not going to get into it too much other than to say, of course, we've got that live stream on Wednesday and then on Friday night. We are off to Merchant Taylors for the end of Rugby Week against Reading Bluecoat. That follows after Wednesday's Schools Cup game again, uh, between Oakham and Stowe. Um, so do join us for both of those. And then on Saturday, I mean, as always, every Saturday, there are hundreds and hundreds of games going on and we could pick through every single one. I mean, I've just in our notes listed about 30. We're not going to get through those, but there are, there's just a couple I particularly want to pick out. Um, and they feature certainly two of those sides that we've flagged as being sort of top two, three in the country against two sides that are probably top five, six, seven in the country. Uh, Clifton College against Wellington College and Trinity against Hampton. I'll start with Clifton College against Wellington College and I'm going to start with a year ago that week. Thanks. 
Thanks, appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna start there because what a game that was, what a dramatic finish that was, but what a it shows you the level that we're talking about because that was undeniably a great game of schoolboy rugby. Yeah, two schools yeah, that were among the best in the country, and they go at it again this weekend. Yeah, I guess for those aren't aren't aware, so last year was a, at Wellington, Clifton came down, great game, and and, and Sam Worsley now full time with Bristol, pretty close to last play. Actually, there was a little bit of play after it, um, a minute or so, uh, kicked a drop goal to to, to win it twenty two twenty one, which was. I think their first win away there um, and was actually uh, my, my, my first loss at home in my time at Wellington College. So it, so it stung. Uh, not it did that, that, that wasn't what it was about. But it was, again, it was an incredible game and a game that neither, none of the, well, probably 38 boys involved in it, um, if not more, deserved to lose. It's one where, again, we've, I've just said, I think Clifton the best side in the country. Um but Wellington will go down there again. There's a lot of boys will be involved who were involved last year, um, and they they know how much that hurt to to lose at home, and they'll be pretty clean, you know, keen to inflict that back on Clifton. And yeah, you know, don't let's not be like like Wellington have got the the firepower to do that. I think again, you could accuse me a bit of bias. Here. I actually think Wellington might have the best midfield in in the country this yeah. year. I, I think you know. Rory Taylor, who's yeah, Rory Taylor at ten, Harrison Hall, Lloyd McEwen Peters. Um, there may be individual. Yeah, you know, I know there you know, people like Isaac uh, Campbell who were standing that. Like, yeah, that, that, that's an incredible like group, and and hopefully they're all playing this weekend. I don't. I hope they are. I know there's been a bit of stuff around academy availability and blocks and EAPs and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. hopefully those three get get to all play together. I'm not gonna get. I don't want to wade into that. I'm, <laughs> not missing those conversations, but it's, you know, and then Clifton will be looking to, you know, I'm sure Clifton have earmarked this as one of their big, you know, this Clifton aren't playing in the cup. Um, Clifton didn't play at St. Joe's, you know, they will be earmarking probably they want to come out on top of be it that merit table that I've made my feelings clear on or your guys new system, you know, and, and this, a, a win in this game would go a long way towards both of those probably yeah. so it's um you know they would have targeted it they probably would have wanted to get everybody ready they'll you know they both would have had the chance to look at each other via some footage so now you're kind of getting at that okay you know what team's gonna look like are you gonna bring something new are you gonna are you gonna change things up it's it's a really fascinating clash for me um i i don't think like clifton will not have that game all their own way um at all and and I I think it's a one score game. I think Clifton go in as one score favourites, um, just based on the. And again, I, I am biased there, so I really hope Wellington go go down and get. We're not. I'll, I'll admit that that is no. That isn't. I haven't got anything against Clifton College. No, I've obviously just got just, ties. It's just and, normal. Yeah, perfectly normal. I've just got ties. I know a lot of those Wellington College boys. I know the staff, and so I've got a personal tie to it. Hmm. Um, and and I hope they can. But the. You know, analytically, you probably put Clifton just ahead, but well, in, you know, you write Wellington off at, at, at your peril. I think in that way. Well, yeah, um, I mean, this is a this is a game that is very very finely balanced. Um, yeah. It's interesting actually. So with with uh, 
it will come out uh, officially tomorrow. But um, in the the latest iteration of our table with uh, with Sedba going down to Denston College and Clifton Clifton College going so well against Sherman, it's uh, it's Clifton that have actually gone to the oh, top of our, of our table now. Um, so there's, uh, there's there's a bit of something for them there, but the um, they'll need to be at their best to to get past Wellington College. Wellington College, uh, that's a group of boys that know big games. They've played in big games over and over. Um, so it'll be interesting to see interesting to see how that one goes. I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I I really think it can go either way. Yes, Clifton are just favourites. That can go either way, you know. If that, particularly if that midfield combination goes well for Wellington College, you're in, you're in for something. And um, Clifton College pack is is tough to deal with. That's, that's yeah. Cool, but we'll we'll see how we'll see yeah, how it out. And weather might play a part again. This again, so I know you know Wellington probably will be praying for dry weather. They'll probably want to move it a bit more. You know, Clifton will probably take a slightly windier, rainy day because again, it's that power up front. You know. Led by Louis Trevor is is pretty phenomenal, and you've got a match like again that midfield needs the ball, and again you've got threats outside it, so it's an interesting one, you know. And and again, I might have just we might have accidentally just wang Clifton, I might have just wang Clifton up there by doing that. So it's yeah, let's see. But a great game, I think probably the other really big one, isn't it? Is that is that Trinity Hampton? That's massive, yeah. isn't it? I mean, particularly, I think uh, how Hampton fare on Wednesday against Harrow may have an impact. And actually, just the sheer impact of having to play two such massive games, what, four days apart, could have an impact. On the other yeah. hand, if they get a positive result on Wednesday and come through with bodies in, in one piece, the confidence that they would have heading into that game against Trinity would be massive. So it's yeah, it, it, it's one that's pretty finely balanced again. I mean, Trinity, I think, are looking incredible. But Hampton have not put a foot wrong all season. And will be one of the few sides in the country that will go to Trinity thinking, I don't see why we wouldn't be able to do well here. Yeah, and, and look, it's hampered by having to go, you know, you'd, I think if Hampton didn't have to play Harrow, almost again, I think you're right, what happens on Wednesday will obviously impact it in terms of bodies and scoreline, in terms of your emotional energy. Um, it's a shame it's got that before, or because Trinity, obviously, because of what happened, you know, with the kind of, who are they playing, they yeah. don't, both teams potentially were due to have it and it's one that kind of you just hope goes ahead again and I'm not saying I wouldn't understand if you know, if, if Hamden come out on top they might say well do you know what boys we might see you in a in, in a couple of weeks time anyway so <laughs> we can push it you know and again which other teams will have something to say about but there's there's that or again in terms of bodies and stuff like that and wanting good games so you just I hope it goes ahead because, as you said, that yeah, that that could be you know, yeah. Hampton won't be from the season they've had. They've got nothing to be scared of playing yeah, anybody. So, um, so no, that's that that's a that's that that's a great game. Um, that's that's next, amazing. Are yeah, they, next, the kind of right. Abingdon derbies are like a really. I love that game. Better. Yeah, I love that game. They're so close to each other as well. It's really. Yeah. I've turned into the wrong car park before. <laughs> I really like that one. It's one you know, as we spoke about Radley earlier. You know, they're a great form since Kirk Grammar School. Back it up now against one of your, your closest rivals. Abingdon will be absolutely gunning for it. That'll be that'll be a cracker. Um, there's so many. I mean, we've spoken about that Warwick Sebra game as well, haven't we? You know, Sebra are going to be 
gunning for it. But yeah. Warwick, Warwick know what's coming, and Warwick put in a belter of a performance. Who did they play at the weekend? Bedford, 21-7. Bedford were unbeaten going into that. So Warwick could be feeling pretty good about themselves. Yeah. They're going to need to be at their best. But uh, there's loads of there's loads and loads of great features. I mean, uh, we're not going to get into all these because we just can't spare the time. But I'm just going to yeah. sort of rifle through some of these ones that just stand out to me. Bedford against Oakham, Berkhamstead, Northampton School for Boys, Millfield Channel College, Ollie Morgan going back to his old school to take on his old yeah. coach John Mallet. I always love that. Bromsgrove Rugby, Barnard Castle, St Peter's, St Paul's v Eton College for the second time this season. Can St Paul's get the result this time? Cranley Epsom College, those two teams that have, you know, had Ilford yeah. get them. You know, which one which one's gonna come out on top there? Um a good derby up in Yorkshire, Quakes Wakefield against Bradford Grammar, a great state school battle in East London, John Fisher against Campion, Brighton College against St John's Leatherhead, you know, two sides that probably got stung a little bit at the weekend. How do they bounce back? Another great one up in the north, Woodhouse Grove against Durham. Got that classic fixture, which I, I think is probably it's unlikely to be the best game this year but Whitgift against Dulwich College you know that nine years out of ten that's an absolute belter in a fixture yeah. similarly yeah. Harrow against Tunbridge and also you know Harrow got that big game in midweek Tunbridge might just be thinking hey we've got a chance there we've got a chance yeah to that's, a little bit yeah, that's, it's an interesting one for, for Tunbridge and and again well coached by Reese Crane like he'll Again, it's 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 a, it's at Harrow, which is again will help give those Harrow boys a bit of an emotional lift. But so again, I think if it was if it was at Tunbridge, depending on how, how on the Wednesday went, you go. Do you know what? That could be a again. I'll use kind of American football coverage like upset alert or kind of trap games to use that. Yeah. That that is a trap game for for Harrow there, and it's yeah. um. And Tunbridge yeah. have got a bit of momentum now, you know they. When, yeah. they, when they went down to the Judd early in the season, it was a bit like, oh, maybe it's not the best Tunbridge side this year, a bit of a shame. I think the lesson that we can learn from that is that, in fact, it's just an unbelievably good Judd side. Oh. Tunbridge have actually been going pretty well since then. Um, so that'd be, that'd be an interesting one. And then another fixture that I always, I always quite like, it's quite a, quite a sort of classic fixture, Marlborough College against Sherbin. So there's, there's all sorts of, of great games going on. I mean, there are those two that really stand out as just super competitive games. It'd be amazing to see how they yeah they shake out. But uh, those two and the Wednesday games, I think, are probably the on the are probably the highlights yeah. of. But there's yeah, it's yeah, just it's nice good. to be back in full flow and talk well, exactly, it's good to be back. And hey, guess what? Because all of those are taking place on Saturday, you can all tune into the Scotland game on Sunday against the All Blacks. Yeah, how about that? That'll be a nice depressing afternoon for me. Um, <laughs> Greatest schools 15 of the decade. It's the final position. Full yeah, back. mate. And it's hotly contested. Really hotly yeah. contested. There are some unbelievable options. When I was going through this, I was going, these are ridiculous names. And I almost needed to check my own biases as I was going through it because, and you can see the, the sort of long list of names that I've put together here. And on that long list, I had three Sedba fullbacks, three Millfield fullbacks, two Wellington College fullbacks, and, and lots and lots of people from, from other schools. And I, the question I wanted to ask you on it is, you know, obviously through this last kind of decade, those mm. schools have been pretty dominant in all, in all forms of the game. Um, yeah. And is, is there something about the fullback position that means 
players from those schools stand out is does the fact that you know there's a lot of space in the backfield and so perhaps if you have a, a player who is pretty decent in that position they shine because of the space they've got to operate in or is it just a coincidence yeah I, I, you you'll know better than me is that what yeah i think look, yeah again you say that a, a, a forward coach would know better i'm not sure that's yeah there'll be a i certainly know backs coach Jeff Workshop would absolutely laugh at the fact that I might know something about fullback later. <laughs> but it's um I think so my two pence would be there is there is something about being on the front foot. Yeah. And again those sides um get on the front foot a lot or have done in, in the last ten years. I think if you um I think almost for me the I remember R J S I Wickham, you know, we took again outside of our window, but if you go back probably into that decade before we've looked at, you know, they yeah. were one of, they, we probably would have had a few RGSI Wickham boys in this, like certainly Christian Wade, who's again, lovely to see him carving up for us in Metro yeah. uh, yeah. at the weekend again. Um, but it's, you know, they used to really kind of, if 15 were kind of coming in, insert themselves into the time. They were probably one of the best schoolboy teams at attacking that 13 channel. And that's where you see good fullbacks pop up a lot. Yeah. It's kind of either kind of, you know, hitting those really hard lines um, and a lot of these guys, you know, I know we, we have played as well, but yeah, you definitely, I think in order to shine, you probably need to be in a team that's going pretty well. It's really yeah. hard, you know, unless, you know, because you don't get many in the school. Schoolboy game tends to be more about running, you know, take, you know, it tends to be more attacking position. You know, in the adult game, you know, your kicking game is massive. With the 50-22 schools, think a bit more about kicking, but also schools think a little bit more about backfield defence now as well. So it's less significant. And so, you know, I certainly know when I was making my list, we're really talking about great run threats. You know, and it's, you know, so the first one I'll talk about there then is is a guy who's, you know, just getting into the extra Chiefs team on the wing now, although I still think he should play, is Dan John. Now, Dan John played... Yeah, no, no, actually didn't play all of his rugby at, at 15, but at school was fan- was fantastic, you know, and 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 again, it's that kind of that step. He was elusive, and he played in a side that went forward a lot. He played in a really good midfield side, you know, behind a pack that I think would have had Ollie Burrows and Ewan Richards in it, you know, yeah, so two, you know, two guys who turned and uh, other guys were really good as well. So there's, I think they had Reese Davis as well as at Cardiff, I think. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. And again, you know. Again, this isn't me now being extra cheese price, but actually both their wingers at the weekend. Another one would be Josh Hodge. Yeah. And, you know, Josh Hodge at, at, at Sedba now played behind an incredible Sedba pack. And actually, beyond that, was just in an incredible Sedba back line. Yeah, I mean, he that, had the likes of Redpath and Curtis feeding him, feeding him. <laughs> yeah. So he just, it meant he got the opportunity, you know, to kind of, you almost need a lot of the ball because generally, you know, schools will look to it while well, 13s probably get more touches, then 11s, then 15s. That's a, that's really generic. Like, into, yeah. so it's, you do need a lot of the ball. So I think there's a, there's reason for that. To go kind of outside of that, just so we're not only talking about a handful of schools, I think actually where we land will be outside of that. We'll go back to some of them though. To mention someone who was really good in ace, again, maybe me showing a little bit of Welsh bias here, but, but Matt Prothero was oh, was his so year was one of the most incredible single seasons I've seen for a player. 
he yeah he was unplayable at times his his highlights reel would have been ridiculous from that season because he was scoring sort of length of the field tries it, his game wasn't perfect but from a sort of highlights of your game theory yeah he was he was astonishing that year and again in a pretty dominant Hartbury side again so we are sort of there, there, there is a there is a trend here Hartbury pretty much in their pomp then in terms of you know other race colleges struggling to get close to him going off to the kind of world schools festivals and taking on the world's best and, and stuff like that that would that's around that's around that window isn't it for Harbury yeah. just to meet it yeah so um, um you know there's, so a, there's a lad I want to talk about as well from kind of similar similar era who not a particularly heralded player uh didn't I don't think was part of any academy I think took football more seriously than he did rugby but it was a lad called Ali Needham who played oh, fullback for Dulwich College in their sort of glory years in that sort of turn of the turn of the decade um, really good there that first that Dulwich era was really built around quite a pragmatic style of play it was you know eight forwards who'd get you where you needed to be on the on the park halfbacks and the 12 that would steer the game and you you take your points it was it was pretty pragmatic style of play and you know hats off to them it worked brilliantly um but Ali Neen was the exception to that he was a fullback and just carving up and I suppose a bit of what you say he was on the front foot so you know that space was there but I remember just every time he played I was going this kid's incredible I can't believe no, yeah. one's, no one's taking him more seriously um and I remember um back in those days Samurai had their Samurai Bulldogs team the kind of academy team that would go mm-hmm. and play a bit of sevens on the circuit and um Sam Howard who was the Dulwich College head coach at the time was also doing the Samurai Bulldog stuff and was like Ali Needham's in my squad. Mm. <laughs> I'm not if not, just because no one else is looking at him. I am not. I am not ignoring this kid. He was incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was a great. Again, I don't. It'd be interesting. I don't know what what he's doing. Maybe he's playing footy or, or not. Or not. Or not playing mm-hmm. at all. But it's yeah. There's one. I guess a name we've talked about before. But it's something I think somebody maybe shone in a team that wasn't always on the front foot would be. Um, who's again a, a professional winger now would be Henry Arundel uh, um, yeah. at, at Harrow played a lot of fifteen, and again he again it what you know that Harrow side wasn't the Harrow side of of this yeah. year necessarily. They, they weren't don't get me wrong they weren't bad but they weren't you know they probably weren't top three or four in the in the country at that point so it's or that year, um, but Henry scored some incredible tries and kind of probably you know we talk a bit about what you do for your school you know he made that side more competitive than it probably had a right to be in some really yeah. big games yeah. so um and Very again I talked I, I mentioned it last week but again like the uh, again personal bias is obviously part of this because it's a it's our opinion but you know that scoring scored an absolutely ridiculous try uphill um at at, at Wellington that 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 stuck in stuck in my memory but I'm sure you've got a few other guys to mention. I think we're well, probably yeah. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a guy I can't not talk about because every time yeah. his name's on a piece of paper, I want to talk about him, which is Tom Whiteley at Millfield, who <laughs> I just... he I, He's probably my favourite ever schoolboy player because he just... He's just electric and he could do things that were absolutely incredible. And actually, one of the things that stood out for me most about him, and I'll never, ever forget this, and it's on another guy who's on our kind of long list, but it was a defensive moment from him. Rossin Park Seven, Sam Aspan Robinson for Wellington College, who is a player for this discussion. He was an excellent mm-hmm. 
and then had to move across the wing to accommodate another great fullback in the form of Tom Parton, who's definitely yeah. part of this discussion. But Sam Asman Robinson makes a break, and Tom Whiteley knows I can't, I can't one on one. I've got a problem here, so he lets him go by, so that he can scrag him from behind. Ends up being able to bounce onto his feet, turn the ball over, go the length of the field. I think he gives the pass at the end for someone else to score. But it was, I happened to be, you know, where I was stood, I was kind of eyes on with his eyes. So you could see, you could kind of see the gears mm. through his head. And it was an amazing bit of just decision making, of understanding that body on body, he's losing that tackle. So actually, what's the best way I can make this tackle? Basically, advantageous for me and it was absolutely brilliant but he would he'd probably be gutted that we're talking about his defense because his attack was, was oh. so, he was just an attacking freak he's almost unlucky in this in this 15 in that he played a bit of nine he played a bit of 10 he played a bit of 15 um if we if this he, was he walks into the 23 shit right oh yeah 100 100 percent. He, he was just brilliant. And, and on, a, on a similar note, um, one of my other favourite players actually was, was Darren Atkins, who kind of was the reason yeah. that Whiteley ended up moving from fullback to nine, um, because Millfield had this kind of other generational fullback talent in the, yeah. form, of, in the form of Darren Atkins, um, and Whiteley being so adaptable moved into the nine shirt. So they've had some incredible players um, through the years. Oh yeah, they Just they are someone who I guess who obviously fits the window. Who people go well, yeah, Freddie Stewart because he's starting for England. Uh, and it look, Freddie Stewart was well, not he was a very good player at, at Norwich School. Like it's, but I think, uh, and maybe it's again, maybe this does show goes back to our point about yeah, a bit of big school bias. Who knows? Again, I don't know much about that Norwich side. What was around him, and I, yeah, I'm sure the coach will say, look will be screaming like how can you not have Freddie in there um, but there was just a bit around you know, we have and maybe I think we're, the person I'm going to land did do a bit more for for their school but I don't know about that but maybe that's harshly done by I don't feel like I saw a lot of Freddie Stewart at, at, no, I remember him no, I think and, it's, it, and you might see more so there's, a, there's, a, bit about, I also think there's a bit of um, style of game that yeah. comes to it Freddie is, I mean, Freddie's an unbelievable player and he was an unbelievable school player. Um, but he's a, it's not, he's a, he's a very, very solid fullback. He is the man that you would be so happy to have behind you because you know you're safe no matter what's coming. Um, the guys probably that are more in the mix than him are guys where they don't necessarily have that skill. And actually in a professional game, that's a much more useful skill a lot of the time. Mm. But probably the guys that we're getting more excited about, the guys that got us up on our feet, who got who just did things that were just magical. Um, yeah, and that's not Freddie's game. There's nothing wrong with that. My God, I mean, you know, he's got Ooh, yeah. 20, he's got what twenty England caps, and he, he's only twenty or something. You know, oh, it's, it's like he, he's he's at, he's world class, isn't he? Like he, he he walks into probably any team in the world at the moment. Yeah, exactly. uh, and but it's in, so I guess in my head, there's probably two people I would yeah. say. That's that, and, that, and I, I think that's Tom Parton. I think it's Lewis Liner. Um, it's a cut, you know, and it's both played great school teams. Um, both having fantastic professional careers, which is which is irrelevant to what we're talking about. But it's nice that 
that that, that they've that, that they've gone on to that. Actually, interesting. You know, you know, do you lean towards Tom because actually Tom's stayed as a fifteen. You know, Lewis seems to transition now to a winger. Wouldn't surprise me if he. I know again, had he been fit when Tyrone Green had gone down, it wouldn't yeah. have surprised me if oh, they if again, they just Lewis into into fifteen. Um, but you know that's coulda woulda shoulda, and that's a professional game and and staying fit. Um, I probably actually lean towards towards Liner in terms of again just personally again he. Probably in terms of that, I haven't decided he was in was good. Let's not, yeah. You know, but in terms of probably surrounded by a little less quality than okay. than Tom, um, and you know, again, made a ham that took a Hampton team to not to places they'd not been before because you know they, I think yeah, I think and then yeah, they they won a Surrey Sevens title. Uh, I think they won the plate uh, at St Joe's and and stuff like that. You know, and Hampton have done things like that, you know, in teams that haven't got 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 liner in, but he was so stat and he just I think almost I saw more of him at sevens. He and it felt we've talked a bit about, you know, almost a, a professional playing someone playing a level below themselves. You know, he had so much time, he knew what was coming. He felt so ready to transition, you know, pro game yeah. pro game ready if you want, that I think Lewis gets it uh for for me. But I know that people again having I didn't see a lot of I wasn't at Wellington when when Tom was there but I know people who were or coaching would have said you know Tom was absolutely standout kind of one of the best schoolboys they've ever seen so there's a, there's a good case oh, Tom was Tom Tom sensational and I would actually say that the the fullback position is second only really to the back row in terms of the breadth of available options to us here. It, mm. what direction we could go. I mean, I could I could make a case for Tom Parton. I could make a case for any one of Dan John, Darren Atkins, Tom Whiteley. I could make a case for Josh Hodge. I could make a case for Matt Prothero. I could even try and argue a case for an Ali Needham or someone like that. Yeah. Uh, Ali Crossdale. Ali Crossdale, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, God, what a player. He was so oh, good. Played a, played, played a lot at 10. Played a lot at 10 for Sedford. Played a lot I mean, you know, oh, Nick David, guys like that. You know, they, yeah, they, there are some unbelievable players. But Lewis Einer, there was a there was a particular buzz about him and it wasn't just because mm. he had his dad's name. It was because he was, he was playing really unbelievable rugby. He was... Hampton had, Hampton had had a couple of years before him where they were on the up. And yeah. Lewis, Lewis's arrival into that first team stopped that being what can sometimes be a thing when a school gets on the up, which is that it's, a, it's an up and then it's a down on the other side. And it just yeah. became a vertical climb because Lewis just bred confidence in everyone around him and it gave, it gave the coaching staff something that they could build a team around. You know, it was and a, and a culture that they could develop off the back of off the back of him, and he was he was incredible. Um, yeah, I kept watching him, thinking, "Oh, he's probably going to be just he's going to you know looking out for things that were what his dad did, because that's what you go into these things thinking." And he's not a lot. What he was, yeah, what he was doing was going out and doing things his dad could never do. And yeah, and, yes. and you suddenly realise, oh no, I'm not thinking this guy's good because of who his dad is. I'm thinking this guy's good because of what he can do, 
because what he was doing was so different to what you were expecting. Um, it was incredible. And he took them to some some amazing places as a team. So I think that's uh, that's us confirmed. Lewis, yeah. fullback. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's again, as one of the, I think it's just to finish, or I remember in a sevens game, two things about, he, he scored an incredible try sort of in a sevens game against Wellington College in a game where actually two of the players, so him and Cassius Clee, so Cass was a fifth former at the time, playing at, Cass actually scored a great try in that game and then Lewis scored them back to, to kind of win them the game. Um, but it was also after it, I remember speak, going over and shaking the Hampton boys' hands and like to a, to a man, they were all lovely. What you could see, you know, everyone knew Lewis was turning pro and, you know, but he, he wasn't out the door at all. He was like playing for Hampton met, meant a huge amount. And I think that's probably true of all of our team as, as we round it off is that, look, you can make a case for other people in the positions. Of course you can. But, and a lot of these players have gone on or are going on to have fantastic professional careers. It was great. Yeah, you know, we talked about Ibatoye, like great seeing back, you know, in a Bristol shirt last weekend doing really well. So it's kind of, but, you know, playing for their school meant a huge amount to them and they dragged their school, you know, groups along with them. And, and that's, that's really stand that. And of course, others have done that. We're not saying they're the only 15 kids who've done that for a school ever. Um, but kind of, and a lot of the players we've talked about actually have, have done that, and that's one of the really special bits of schoolboy rugby is how sometimes individual can galvanise others, players who may not play beyond school, yeah. you know, um, and and that's really exciting, like that's and that's and that's really cool actually because you create these memories together, um, and yeah, I, I think and I think Lewis is a really fitting fifteen to what is a side I'd like to see play. Oh, I'd love to see that. If we could get a Barbarian squad together that's this team, I'd absolutely love it. So that is our 15. It'll be out on social media for you in the uh, in the coming days. 15, well, 16 players, because we uh, we bottled it on choosing between the colours. <laughs> 16 players, 14 different schools, but let's call it 15 players, 14 different schools. That's pretty cool. We weren't even thinking really about what school people were coming. Is it 14 from. different schools? 14 different schools. We didn't, yeah, it wasn't a thing we were considering. Um, and it's only your bias that's meant that it's not 15 different schools. Oh, it's Tom, no, <laughs> Deary me. But I'll tell you what's also so interesting. You can all just blame me for that. That's all my What's also fun. interesting is we don't have... For a side who have who've won pretty much everything through um through this period, we don't have a we don't have a Millfield player in the team, which surprises me because there are there's about three or four Millfield lads that I would have uh, I would have fought hard for, but it just shows that we've uh, we've pushed each other on this and we've uh, we've got the team together. Yeah, so, and I feel that's I hadn't realised that about Millfield, and because it, it feels like in every position we've talked about. They've had, yeah, they've had a contender in every position. Probably, I think yeah. if, we, if we were to pick a bench, uh, you'd probably find that there were like four or five midfield players on it. <laughs> or, I mean, arguably, you could pick a kind of, you know, best OM side. The trouble they've had is yeah, if you look at some of the positions where, where they've missed out, you know. Um, We've talked about three of their players today. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've, got, you've got three Millfield fullbacks. It's just that yeah, all three of them are probably you're probably your next cab off the rank on this. Um, yeah. It just shows you though the competition in school rugby is massive, and the the spread of talent is always far wider 
um, than everyone than everyone thinks. That is cool that he's fourteen scores. And sorry for my bias, but you know, uh, yeah. I mean, you can't argue too much with Ben Baxter <laughs> and Cassius Cleaves, though. Are you? I would hope not. I would I have called, I would have called you out on that if I thought if I thought it was wrong. So I, I think we won't get too many complaints about yeah, that. Yeah. And there's two Oundle players as well. Let's not forget that Ben and Tom Curry, both yes, yeah. share, yeah. sharing a half each on the blind side flank. So yeah. you know, Oundle doing all right out of it as well. Um, but that's it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with what well, we've already trailed what's to come over the course of the next seven days. So uh, we'll have a hell of a lot to get through next week. It's going to be it's going to be good fun. Um, please do give us a like, a subscribe, a comment, all of that kind of stuff. It helps loads. I am told uh, a rating apparently is very useful as well. Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. I guess if you're watching or listening to this, you already know that, but I've still got to say it. <laughs> uh, and then get in touch on social media on at NextGen15, at NextGenXP. I'd like to hear from the listeners. Do they want us to pick a bench? And also, do they want us to pick a coach to coach this team? Because that could be very interesting because there have been some legends of the game. Yeah. And I'd really like to talk about them. Lots That'd be cool. Choosing between them, but it'd be nice to talk about a few of them because they tend to lurk in the background quite rightly. But it'd be nice to give a few of them a shout out. Dan, yeah. thank you very much once again. Thank um, you very enjoy much. the rest of the day, and uh, we will catch all of you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Mm-hmm.